0: Welcome to the Geopolitics and Empire podcast. Today we're speaking with Daniel McAdams, who is the Executive Director of the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. We'll be talking about media, propaganda, and the sharp turn toward censorship now happening in some of the Western countries, which are increasingly coming under the grip of what he calls the national security state. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Daniel.
1: Thanks very much for having me.
0: Now, I wanted to get you on to talk about the turn toward authoritarianism in Western media. And right at the start, I want to state that I'm, I'm no leftist, I don't hate America, but on the contrary, I bring up these topics because they are a threat to the republic, and I'm worried. I grew up in the West, that is the United States and Europe, and enjoyed a life of freedom and liberty. But now I think we're starting to get a taste of some form of sophisticated totalitarianism, I don't know what to call it, at least in the media in Europe and America with whistleblowers such as Julian Assange being tortured in the UK currently, or uh, a Defense One journalist who was recently harassed by US customs who wouldn't let him into the country apparently unless he admitted he wrote propaganda uh, and not journalism. And recently our podcast had its Twitter account restricted for no reason. And we've experienced irregularities on Vimeo and iTunes I get strange emails every week, which I think are a form of sophisticated phishing or cyber attack, trying to get me to click on links or open attachments. And they've even impersonated uh, former prominent podcast guests. So, Daniel, before I ask you about what happened with your Twitter and censorship you've experienced, you've been working in the government and the media for a long time. Could you comment on the state of our media? Has it always been like this? Am I exaggerating, or have we taken a dark turn toward something more sinister?
1: Well, I think it has gotten a lot worse in the last few years. I don't think there's any question about it. The diversity that you once saw in the media has really uh, become invisible. Uh, when when basically they call themselves the left media or the right media. Uh, this is I'm talking about the mainstream media. And essentially, they are all mouthpieces for the war and propaganda state. Uh, And like you, I I feel myself a patriotic American, and I criticize the country because I think that's our patriotic duty. But when you see uh, these global media companies that are in bed with government, that are owned by the military-industrial complex, that cover wars and cover conflicts overseas in a way to encourage Americans to support yet more Uh, u.s. uh, global interventionism then you know something is really wrong americans are being propagandized uh they're being uh the brains are being fried by the media and you cannot have a free society when the people who make up that society are thoroughly propagandized in favor of state propaganda it's just impossible
0: Recently, you criticized Sean Hannity, uh, I believe it was, and the CIA via Twitter, and your Twitter account was promptly terminated. We've uh, been seeing folks from the left and right being banned and censored by the media, and some of the common denominators include what I think, you know, traditional or conservative culture, as well as support of privacy rights, opposition to surveillance, and any anti-war position, as you've mentioned. So can you tell us a little bit what happened with your Twitter and what you feel the significance is of the termination of your account.
1: Yeah, and one of the things about the, the criticisms of the way Twitter is behaving and other social media behaving, it basically people who are critical, which is a good thing, they are still in the mental prison of left versus right. You'll have some right-wingers saying, oh, Twitter's so leftist, they're banning all those conservatives. Well, reality, it's not that at all. It's something very different. What they are is narrowly defining the area of acceptable discourse. Uh, extraordinarily narrowly devi- defining it. And anything that goes outside that narrow definition of acceptable discourse is disappeared. It simply disappeared. And when you're deplatformed, make no mistake about it, it's nothing it's exactly like what happened in the old Soviet Union. Uh you just disappear. Uh you're off to gulag somewhere. You, you 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 lose your contact uh with friends, with with uh with contacts you've made over the years, with people who rely on your analysis, et cetera, et cetera. So it's Uh, It's a way of disappearing people, so it's not a political thing in terms of the traditional notion of left versus right. It's something very much beyond that. And I guess, you know, I would be an example, really, um, because I'm neither left nor right. I don't buy into either of the paradigms, but nevertheless, I simply noted uh, an anomaly, uh, and that's being kind or charitable, uh, That uh, while watching an episode of Hannity, which I don't watch regularly— uh, that the host went through his entire program uh, attacking the deep state and how mean they were to President Trump, uh, which which I probably would buy onto. And then at the end, you, you you zoom in and you see he's wearing a lapel pin with the CIA logo on it, and you're thinking, is this stupid or is he really trolling the CIA? <laughs> you know. And unfortunately, I think it's the the, the former rather than the latter. And so I simply tweeted how stupid does he think we are that he goes on about the, the deep state while wearing the very symbol of the deep state on his lapel. And then I guess the trigger word that allowed me to get banned is I said that, you know, he, you know he's acting retarded, uh, which, you know, is, uh, is sort of a slang word. Uh, and uh, and it's, uh, it's a word for people that are slow. Uh, and I meant it that way. He's slow. I meant it in sort of a joking way to put him down. But that was enough for, for Twitter to ban me for life for, quote, hateful conduct, end quote, for attacking people on the basis of their disabilities, which is, which is strange because he's not actually retarded. He was just acting retarded. Uh, but the fact, you know, the fact is they were able to disappear me, uh, and my you know, 20-some thousand followers uh, uh, you know, are gone, and my 22,000 tweets are gone, and I've just disappeared. Uh, and So I, the first thing I did was do a search of the word retarded, and millions and millions and millions of people use it constantly on Twitter. It's just a word that's used, and uh, but in my case, it was a trigger for me to be disappeared. Uh, and they'd been trying several times. I called out David Korn from The Nation. Uh, uh, I called him an aging whore uh, because he continues to cling to the Russiagate uh, fantasy, and that got me uh, suspended for a week. And I also defended former State Department official Peter Van Buren about a year and a half or so ago uh, when, he told, when, he, when he tweeted that the mainstream media uh, just accepts hook, line, and sinker government propaganda without bothering to check it. And he was banned for life for saying that. And I defended him, and I was banned for a week. So I was, clearly I was in their radar screen. They were looking for a way to get rid of me and my growing followership. Uh, and they were successful. I've disappeared.
0: And as you say, it goes beyond left and right, Uh, and I'm just curious about, you know, if we go a step further, this power structure, you know, it has to deal with the empire, uh, the financial aspect of it, uh, the, the war, military aspect of it. It was recently reported that a Twitter senior executive is part of the British Army's psychological warfare unit, the 77th Brigade, and from the research I've done, it seems, you know, I think a lot of us know that Google and Facebook were seed funded by the Pentagon and the rest of Silicon Valley that, you know, wasn't directly funded. Uh, they're somehow integrated into the military industrial complex through their large government contracts, through their data sharing, uh, their backdoor access uh, agreements, such as Microsoft has um, with its window operating system with the NSA, I believe, or Amazon and its huge cloud computing contracts with the CIA or DOD. And it seems that the Silicon Valley tech apparatus is an extension of the military inter- uh, industrial complex. And we're sometimes, I guess, naive to think they're tools of freedom, but they, uh, instead they might be reining in our freedoms. So what are your thoughts on this nexus between you know tech like Twitter uh, and, and the government and then the, well, what you've experienced?
1: Well, I would say somewhere Mussolini is smiling up from hell because this is exactly the idea that he that he had for fascism, which is, you know, the illusion of private ownership with state control. And that's exactly what we have over not just the social media, but as you point out, the tech companies. And it's no secret that Twitter uses things like the Atlantic Council, which are funded by the U.S. government, funded by the Pentagon, funded by NATO. Uh, to, to determine what is fake news and what is not fake news. And Facebook does the same thing. Interestingly enough, the Atlantic Council is also heavily funded um, by Burisma Holdings, <laughs> which is the famous company in the middle of the, of the Ukraine scandal, the company that gave Hunter Biden 50000 bucks a month uh, to, be, <laughs> to sit on its board. So when someone like me or you, whoever, starts tweeting about what a joke this Ukraine stuff is, you got to wonder if a phone call is not made. Uh, Twitter was also is also partly owned by the uh, by the, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. I've been very critical of Saudi Arabia and its uh, and its relationship with the United States. So you have to wonder at what point is a phone call made uh, to some State Department, you know, thing somewhere, and next thing you know, it's it, it's over. And so this is this is a problem when you see these companies in bed with government from the very beginning. And it's a way to tighten the news. It's a way to disappear people and to disappear opinions that, are, that do not comport with their view of the very narrow range of acceptable discourse. Again, that is anathema to a free society.
0: So you, you mentioned Russia Gate, and it's something that really boggles my mind. And I think about frequently because I, I, I'm in contact with people all the time. And how successful media propaganda is on the average citizen, but there's a stark difference between Westerners and people outside the West. You know, when I talk to my friends here where I'm living in the former Soviet Union, they don't believe any government media, whether it's Kazakh government media, uh, Russian or American. In a way, they seem immune. They're critical thinkers. They're cynical. They're realistic. They see through the propaganda and they have a proper understanding of reality. But when I speak to any of my Western European colleagues or American friends, it seems they're all the same. They pair at the same Western media talking points and they truly believe them. You know, CNN, BBC, NBC, Fox, you name it. And whether it's, like you say, the unfounded Russia gate theory or the absurd Scripple poisoning story or the false flag chemical attacks uh, in Syria or the latest Trump allegations, you know, Ukraine Gate, whatever you want to call it, they can't think for themselves, uh, and they don't see how illogical the stories are. No matter how many technical facts you throw at them, you know, you talk about the OPCW report that uncovered the the uh, inconsistencies in the in the Syrian uh, chemical attacks. So, you know, but they, they won't hear it. So, can you comment on the effectiveness of the propaganda and the gullibility of Western peoples?
1: That's a that's a great point, and that's a point that I that I often make. You know, I, I I moved to the former Eastern Europe right after the fall of communism, so it was still very fresh in everyone's mind. And I spent a lot of, a lot of time there as a journalist and a human rights monitor, and I traveled throughout Central and Eastern Europe, uh, and I talked to a lot of people, and my impression was exactly that, which is that, you know, basically, the average Hungarian sitting in a flat in Miskolc in 1973 is far more libertarian than the average American in the United States in 2019. Because they were savvy enough to understand that they were being lied to, left, right, center, up and down and everywhere. They understood that the government exists just to lie to them and to propagandize them. Uh, And so they took everything with a grain of salt. Uh, And that's a very healthy thing. And and, and in contrast, the U.S. uh, is is very unhealthy. You know, there's nothing more enslaving than to believe you're free. Which is what they do. And you're right. They, they believe it really is something out of 1984. The, the ability to believe two absolutely contradictory things at the same time. And that really is the American, uh, you know, the American public. And, and they are definitely partly to blame, uh, maybe mostly to blame. Uh, but the system that they're operating under is also partly to blame where the, again, the, the diversity of, the, there is an appearance of diversity of opinion without in reality being a real diversity of opinion. You know, and a lot of us thought when the internet started and as it it matured uh, through the early 2000s and alternative media began to spring up, we felt optimistic that that alternative media would really start to challenge the stranglehold of the mainstream opinion. And of course, to a degree it has. But by the same tech companies that you mentioned earlier, Google and others, they've been able to uh, to, to make their technology much more sophisticated. Uh, and here's an, ex- here's a concrete example. Okay. Uh, at the Ron Paul Liberty report, we did a show today about the Kurds and about president Trump's, uh, announced decision to, to pull out of Syria. And, and I know that I'd seen several articles about, uh, about Kurdish misbehavior in Northern Syria, about their oppression of other minorities. And I know I'd read the pieces. And so I did a Google search and I used various, uh, combinations of search words that would certainly lead me to some of these articles and it was literally impossible no matter how hard i tried to find an article because you know the party line as we said in the old uh, soviet world the party line of today is the serbs are the victims don't you dare search for anything that suggests otherwise and and that is really a kind of sophisticated mental prison that in the darkest days of Stalinism they could never have dreamed of.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's scary, and I've started to notice this uh, as well. It's getting harder to find some of um, uh, uh, the stuff we've we've seen online, and I guess it goes back to Eric Schmidt, of, of the former Google CEO, who said in an interview that Google's job will be in the future to, when you search for uh, a question, they will deliver the one correct uh, answer, and there won't be anything else alternative you'll be able to find. Uh, something that you comment on frequently is foreign regime change. Change for an intervention. I've seen here in Kazakhstan uh, recently we, we've had protests, and I've s- firsthand seen some uh, evidence of U.S. Uh, interference through the, you know, the usual NGOs. You talk about NED, Open Society USAID, uh, and we've recently seen U.S. interference in the Hong Kong protests, as well as uh, I would assume in the recent Moscow protests. But most of the media paints only one side of the story, the one that supports the protest. Movements and when russian or chinese media call out u.s. Interference. They're called conspiracy theorists. So what's your take on how the media covers? Covers the behind of u.s. Interference in foreign countries
1: Yeah, it's the exact same propaganda, you know the any thinking person's default When you see people in the street protest should be that the u.s. Is behind it, you know And people will freak out a lot of libertarians will freak out how dare you because everyone buys into the fantasy a lot of libertarians, unfortunately, in the U.S., first of all, they don't travel a lot. They don't know the rest of the world very well. And they have this kind of messianic uh, philosophy that somehow the rest of the world, just if they could just get rid of bad guy number X, uh, then they would exactly be our ideal libertarian society that we're no closer to achieving uh, than, than anyone else. Uh, so they have this fantasy that every time you get in the streets— it's to move toward a libertarian society. And that simply isn't the case. And Bob Wenzel of Target Liberty does a good job saying, okay, there's a protest going on. Are they for more liberty or less liberty? Um, but the default is, is U.S. fingerprints. You know. And I, I started seeing U.S. fingerprints on regime change. Uh, and I know certainly it went way before that. But, but in, in the post-Cold War era, I saw it very closely in Central and Eastern Europe when I was doing a lot of election monitoring in places like Slovakia. Uh, in Croatia, in the former Yugoslavia, I could see how the U.S. was... operating. I could see how it was uh, uh, becoming more sophisticated in changing regimes um, uh, uh, as time went on. You talk about... Uh, uh, you talk about Mecjar in Slovakia, you talk about Barisha in Albania, you talk about uh, Tudman in, uh, in Croatia, and so on and so on. This is a kernel that was set after the end of the Cold War. Uh, and this is when... The NED, the National Endowment for Democracy, and other U.S. government uh, and and pseudo-NGOs, rather than being disbarred or disbanded or shut down after the end of the Cold War, which is their ostensible raison d'etre, after being shut down, okay, you achieved your goal, time to go home, same with NATO, instead of that, they actually found a new raison d'etre which is to bother a bunch of other people and they had a huge infusion of money to do this and so you have this sort of demonic uh you know multi-tentacled uh creature full of millions of dollars meddling everywhere across the globe and now from iraq to venezuela as you point out hong kong over and over and over again this is what you see uh and it's uh and it's it's extremely destructive and it's uh it's very anti-american
0: and I wanted to get your latest thoughts on on Trump. Uh, you know, we had Russia Gate, and now I, I like to call it Ukraine Gate. Uh, Trump's core campaign pledges and subsequent treatment by the media uh, and deep state, for me, has echoes of John F. Kennedy, because Trump is at least uh, you know he has tried to resist the war in Syria, Afghanistan, and Iran. He's recently made a move to downsize his national security staff. So it's kind of like what we're seeing is a political assassination uh, uh, attempt to peacefully remove him. Uh, what are your thoughts on this idea of, of a CIA coup or deep state coup against Trump as well as uh, his chances for reelection?
1: Yeah, I think it's a good point. And I think, unfortunately, because of the divisions we talked about earlier, the propagandization of the American people, if you're a Rachel fan, you hate Trump. If you're a Fox fan, you love him and you have no ability to critically analyze anything he does. It's like zombies uh, or, or your football team. You cheer it no matter what. Uh, and that's a real problem. But Trump is a very, very flawed vessel to deliver the message that he's tried to deliver, which is that it's time to think about our country first uh, and to stop trying to save the world and change the world and occupy and invade the world Um so it, it, it is unfortunate that he is flawed. He surrounds himself, people who, do, who not only do not agree with him, but actively conspire to undermine him. He doesn't seem to see it when it's in front of his face. Uh, he fires someone so grotesque as John Bolton, and then he replaces him in, uh, in O'Brien with someone who really is kind of the carbon copy of Bolton without the hideous mustache. You know, O'Brien was Mitt Romney's foreign policy guy. I mean, give me a break. It's a joke. So Trump doesn't get it. He doesn't understand that there are a lot of very decent top-shelf people that he could have staffed his administration with that really would have moved his agenda forward. Instead, he's fumbling around in the night. He's thrashing. The only the only friend he has is his Twitter account. And uh, it's really quite pathetic to see. But, you know, we have to analyze this. Uh, not as Trump supporters or detractors, and, I, and I'm not a supporter, I didn't vote for President Trump, but when he does, like with Obama, when he does something that I think is good, uh, it deserves to be praised and deserves to be positively uh, responded to. But the Russia Gate, this is something new, the, the attempt to, as you say, sort of, it's a John F. Kennedy kind of era where an outsider, to a degree, comes in, and tries to shake things up, particularly in the CIA. And we know that that Kennedy, particularly after the Bay of Pigs, was no fan of the CIA. And there's you know there's plenty of evidence of CIA fingerprints in his assassination, I think. So uh, you know as uh, it, it is difficult to to to, to, uh, to take on the intelligence communities, but now the Democrats are finding this as a shortcut. Uh, to take back the white house that they saw was uh, they feel was taken from them and it's very dangerous i mean the u.s to me it looks like a banana republic uh where uh you know you have (laughs) the rules are out the window if you don't like the guy you don't vote next time for the other guy you just try to throw him out of office that is really a very dangerous dangerous thing
0: yeah and getting back i guess finally to the, the the censorship aspect you know what can we do what can listeners do content creators such as uh, myself and yourself do uh, in this current environment that we're in you know what can we do to fight for liberty for free speech to access true information you know what happens once they've shadow banned and or terminated the ron paul institute's account on twitter facebook and, and youtube
1: that is a tough question. I wish I had the answer to it. Uh, uh, it's, it. It is difficult. There aren't alternatives to Twitter and Facebook and the others right now. There aren't free speech alternatives uh, uh, that are viable at this point. So I really don't know what the answer is. I think it's going to have to get a lot worse before it gets better. Uh, we have smart people that believe in true liberty and freedom and real free speech, you know, even when it can be ugly speech. Uh, there are talented people who believe in this, and we just have to have faith uh, that they will be able to come up with an alternative. And I think, in the meantime, what, what you know, as y- yourself, you're an educator. Uh, we try to be educators. I think the best we can do is use our our our, our given talents uh, the best we can to try to educate others to <laughs> to get outside the matrix and start freeing your mind.
0: Is there any final thought you'd like to leave us with?
1: Well, I I hope people will will come visit us at ronpaulinstitute.org. We do a daily Ron Paul Liberty Report uh, broadcast on YouTube. We would love to have people uh, uh, seek us out there. We do a lot of conferences. We do a yearly Washington conference. We love to meet people there. And so, uh, you know, it's very important for like-minded people to just get together, communicate, share ideas, make friendships, make business relationships. Uh, It's very, very important, I think.
0: So we can't follow you on Twitter, but we can follow Ron Paul and the Ron Paul (laughs) Institute. I'd love to go to one of your conferences, but uh, very far away. Uh, Robert Wenzel recently wrote, uh, you mentioned him, he wrote an article saying President Trump should hire Tulsi Gabbard as secretary, Secretary of Defense, Rand Paul as Secretary of State, and yourself, Daniel McAdams, as National Security Advisor. I wholeheartedly support that proposition. And so thank you, Daniel, and I'm grateful for your work and that of the Ron Paul Institute. You can help the Geopolitics and Empire podcast by subscribing to and interacting with all of our channels such as YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Gab, Minds, and Steemit. You can also help us by leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcast platforms such as iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, Spreaker, and so on. Finally, if you value our work and our mission and would like to see us continue interviewing experts from across the political spectrum, please consider leaving a one-time donation via PayPal or Bitcoin or becoming a regular monthly supporter on our Patreon. All the links can be found on geopoliticsandempire.com. Thanks for listening.